Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. Mike Schaefer here, along with Michael Brunts, Brian Christofferson. Gentlemen, how are you doing today? Not bad. We had a little uh, walk down memory lane with the 90s earlier before we were, we're yeah, getting rolling here. Br- Brunts and I are naming off songs. Schaefer was just like, what are you guys talking about? Which what, is, what year were you born? 87. <laughs> okay. I mean... You were like seven. I feel those... like I know 90s music pretty well, but you were going obscure. A, a little bit. We were bring, a little bit. We were bringing up the Squirrel Nut Zippers who are in concert in Omaha <laughs> this weekend. And I feel like that qualifies as obscure. The Toadies. Less obscure. With Possum Kingdom, which I think anybody in our age bracket remembers from the jukebox in a bar. Yeah. If you don't know it by name, you'd, you'd know it if yeah. you played it. Do so. you want me to sing a few? No. Okay. You're All right. right. Fine. <laughs> I mean, you have been regaling us with it. You might as well. It's a little, the words are a little, uh, that's not one we should do the where we read it like a poem, probably. It might give people the wrong idea yeah. about what this podcast yeah, is about. Yeah, let's not do that. Um, speaking of which, you haven't done any spoken uh, spoken rap lyrics you haven't, done, you haven't done that? You haven't done sock talk? Um, I think people we're starting to wonder what it is that you do around here. Yeah. The wheel hasn't been used yeah. in a while. All of our old bits are just gone away. I feel like once we get into February, we would need to really kind of put it together here. We need to distract people by the fact that there's nothing going on with <laughs> with <laughs> talk of socks. The and, shiny lights of yeah. uh, socks and yeah. you and your spoken rap lyrics, Brunt's wheel, just so he can play the sound effect that he loves. Love it. So We had a good mix of talk about 90s music, babies blowing out their diapers, what... What I received when I got potty trained as a child, which was a Tonka truck. Yeah, it was a very, <laughs> uh, it was a very roundabout way to start the the pre-show. <laughs> which I always think the pre-show is probably the highlight of the whole thing, but nobody else gets to hear it. It's the unfortunate thing. Yeah, Bruce should just start rolling right as we walk into the room. I should. I mean, it might turn off a lot of people. I'd be like, I can't believe I listen to this. <laughs> These guys are experts. <laughs> Have we told the people, did we tell the people last week about the headphones Brunts now wears during this thing? <laughs> Looks like know. he's Jay-Z over there. These, yeah. these are noise-canceling <laughs> headphones. I'm dialed in. <laughs> he looks like he has a small child that might scream a lot. It's Those are the headphones I would wear. Like, remember the We Are the World video where they're kind of swaying? And, like, <laughs> I would have some headphones like those on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they just, like I said, they remind me of a guy <laughs> sitting next to his, his stereo listening to, you know, vinyl. Like those are the headphones my dad would wear with his 1987 Kenwood speakers I, I that was, no longer work, and I'm tasked with buying him a sound bar now because he can't get his TV and speakers to work with a 30 year gap between their ages. That seems oddly specific. Yeah, it's, it's happening this weekend. So the uh, yesterday I was shoveling the driveway with these bad boys on. Oh, neighbor came out, uh, said hello, <laughs> didn't hear. Her. She got a little bit closer, <laughs> yelled a little bit louder. She probably could have like walked up behind me and like killed me Rambo style, just like right across the back of the throat and wasn't even in a Are those Bluetooth? Uh they can be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Were you using them in a Bluetooth capacity yesterday? Yes, I was. Okay. I don't know how she didn't know I like couldn't hear her. Like these you can see these things from space, but it's amazing. I go to the coffee shop to work a lot and I have a I still have a cord attached to my headphones, and people look at you like you're stuck in 1988. The, the odds on BC still having corded earwear was I didn't know probably this was, like minus 650. I'm I didn't surprised know. he has headphones. <laughs> I didn't know it was such an affront to people, but I see these young people look at me like, old man, 
PC's the only guy <laughs> well, in Starbucks with an old record player. It's not the, the corded <laughs> earphones. It's the fact that you have a Walkman on the table. That has <laughs> yeah. And I take off. out a CD, put one in. You've got your full <laughs> case from your car yeah. that you're bringing in. Fair enough. Look at that guy. He's playing the toadies. I do have a squirrel nut zipper <laughs> CD to bring it full circle. All right. <laughs> Well, let's uh, let's continue our look down memory lane. We'll just go back to the the glory days of 2008 to 2014, the Bo Pelini era. In the news again this week, uh, he is the new defensive coordinator at LSU. Everything old is new again. Was previously there before he was Nebraska's head coach. They won a national title. They win another national title, and now they want Bo Pelini back to run their defense. What do you What do you guys think on this? You spent a lot of time around Bo. We'll start with Brunts. I spent a lot of time on LSU message boards this week, and the reaction has been uh, interesting. I mean, did you have a he just thesaurus or a? I I, I didn't know what they were saying half the time, but <laughs> every, that's in written word. <laughs> everything stopped with Bo Pelini's coaching career to a lot of those people in like 2007. So nothing happened from 20 or 2008 to 2014. So they're excited about it. Very excited. Really? Yeah, they're paying him handsomely. Two million? Is that, is yeah. that what it is? Getting that Dave Aranda money? Man. I mean, I think that he could be a really effective defensive coordinator if all he has to worry about is designing and game planning. Yeah. Those are the things he's always most interested in anyways. Um, the rest of it was not, you know, that's why I always felt like he was ill-fitted to be a head coach because he just didn't want to do the other stuff that goes along with being a head coach. Oh, yeah, he hated it, all the extras. I mean, I, one, recruiting, I don't think, was like a major priority to him yeah. or something that he uh, really enjoyed very much at all. But also just the the whole, like, extra time with handling, like, things that pop up when a player gets in trouble or all that other stuff or dealing with the media. Being um, a public figure yeah, when you're in a place like Lincoln. Well, he remember, he always used to complain, and I get his point to a degree. Uh, some people always shake their head at this. He would say Nebraska was tougher to coach in than the markets of Oklahoma and LSU. And people in those areas are like, give me a break, you know. I mean, it's intense here. He, I don't think he'd say that if he was a head coach in those Probably situations. not. The, I do, the only – I'll go halfway with him. I can understand that point of view from the fact of here there's one show, really. Mm -hmm. And so basically, even in February, as we were almost talking in our open, we'll be figuring out ways to talk about Nebraska football on the airwaves, radio-wise, that'll be the case, to get through July – Whereas there's distractions other place. You get, you know, New Orleans, you have a pro market, and uh, Oklahoma's got other teams, Oklahoma State and the Thunder and all that. But um, I'd only go like halfway down the road on his point on that. Yeah, I. he's the only coach I can think of who would prefer a style in which he could just play his games in front of an empty stadium all the time. Like that's just – he just never struck me as anyone that particularly – was enthusiastic about the fact that he played in front of a packed house, that the fan support was there. It just it didn't matter to him because he was so much an X's and O's guy and put it on the grease board and then go out and teach it and have mm -hmm. him run it. And that was where it all went. And that's all fine, but you can't do that as a head coach. And I think it was ultimately his undoing. He 
he has guys to this day. There's plenty of them that played for him that will go to bat for him yeah. forever. I mean, he did. You have to say that he built some relationships with players where, through all the noise that happened here, uh, they think they'll speak nothing but glowing terms about him. I had a good professional relationship with him actually, as much as he kind of didn't like the media. There were some tense moments, but. Um, I, I think he's where he's supposed to be now. I also think Bo, like a lot of coaches, understands you got to stay ahead of the posse. And at Youngstown State, they were really middling. I mean, they they had become a 500 football team in a very tough division. Yes, like people don't get that, but like the FCS, I think the division in which Youngstown State played is the equivalent of they could go beat a bunch of MAC schools. Mm -hmm. North Dakota State could go win the MAC. South Dakota State could go compete in the MAC. Northern Iowa can go compete there. The Bobby Petrino was just hired by Missouri State. Like, there aren't a lot of easy games in that conference, and Polini found that out pretty quickly. Uh, initially, when I, I heard that he was, you know, the, their top guy for that job, I, I was a little dismissive of it because I thought, oh, you, you remember how it ended at Nebraska with you know the, the struggles they had in big games and, and the numbers that were put up against them by uh, you know good teams, um, and you're you're going into a division where it's LSU, Alabama, Auburn, Texas A&M, Mike Leach is in there now, and Lane Kiffin, very versatile, so. But then I started thinking about it, and it's like, well, you know, they, they his defenses were good when he had good defensive linemen, and that's the one thing that I think that LSU can can provide that he never really had at Nebraska post Sue was a, a defensive line with really high quality, high caliber players, and you know, for that reason, I mean, may, maybe it's you know, I, I, maybe you can do something there. I mean, I, maybe my initial reaction to kind of scoff at the hire was maybe a, l a little premature, but I mean, it's, it's going to be fascinating to see how it plays out. He had top 10 defenses basically through 2010 when he had, I think really good talent. After that, if you look at his numbers, it wasn't bad for what he had. I mean, they were. But he was also in charge of procuring what he had. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what, but that's the thing. He doesn't have to do that now. Right. Really. I mean, from, that's, that's why it's a beautiful from fit. 2011 to 2013. I was looking at the numbers the other day. Nebraska was basically ranked between 35th and 40th in total defense those years. So they were okay. They weren't great, but, uh, 2014, they slipped, I think to 50 something. Um, but yeah, the, the talent was shrinking at Nebraska on that side of the ball. And you could see it year by year and really is undoing in many ways was they couldn't recruit they couldn't get hay out of having Sue as a prominent face on your D-line recruiting-wise. They just struck out for multiple classes, almost went 0 for, if you look at some of those classes, like 0 for 8 or 9 on guys. And, um, and then at the same time, you're switching leagues to a style where he really had kind of figured out early on the Big 12 spread attacks and how to defend it with the 5 and 6 DBs and different hybrid players to use in those situations the Eric Hag type guys, and then the ground changes from under you. And, yes, you're seeing some spread in the Big Ten, but there's a lot more ground and pound and Wisconsin style, which, of course, are the most memorable, infamous games of his time at Nebraska, uh, just dealing with, with that up front and what they offered. 
Yeah. No, I think that's a, a fair assessment of kind of how it all played out. And I'm, I think he'll do well at LSU. And what I'm very curious about is if he is going to be a guy that's content being a coordinator or if someone's going to come fishing around and want him to be a head coach again. Because if they have the sort of talent and the success that they can have there, then he's going to be a name that pops up a lot. And I'm just I'm very curious what he ends up doing. I always felt like he'd be a perfect defensive coordinator in the NFL. Um, that seemed like the the best type of job to me for him. Uh, and he turned down, I guess, opportunities uh, repeatedly. So maybe he wants to stay in the college game, and it'll be interesting to watch from afar. I mean, if there's one thing we know, Nebraska fans and the Nebraska media remain obsessed with former coaches that have spent time at Nebraska. Yeah, a little too much sometimes. Yeah. Which, I mean, we just spent 10 minutes on them, so we're part of it. I'm not trying to absolve us by any means. All right, let's let's get into some things that reflect on currently 2020 Nebraska. Uh, they have, believe it or not, and Brian, I don't know if you know this, there is a signing day next Wednesday. You barely, it's barely <laughs> no. It doesn't, I, I realize I haven't even sent out um, – you know, request for people to submit Super 6s yet. I need to get on that. Yeah. Uh, which there may not be an addition. People are going to have to re-familiarize themselves with the class. That was <laughs> from, a long time ago. From 2020. <laughs> so um, we'll uh, we'll get into this a little bit. Right now it seems like there's two names that Nebraska could end up with next Wednesday. I would say neither seem likely, um, but they're both names that people should know at this point. We'll start with, what is that? They're both names. Well, I mean, that's <laughs> no, the thing. I, I, I know, yeah. Like you can't not talk about them, but at the right. same time, I don't want people to think that Nebraska is in the lead here. So, right, you gotta gotta try to tiptoe that line a little bit. Mm-hmm. But we'll start with Tanoa Toe Guy, the defensive end out of Rigby, Idaho. Rigby, I'm told, is in the uh, Yellowstone National Park area of Idaho, over by Jackson, Wyoming. Um, for those that want to know where Rigby is at, but Tanoa Toe Guy, six foot six, two hundred ninety five pounds. Big defensive lineman. You're seeing Washington, Utah, Kansas State, Nebraska are the four teams that really matter there. Utah is the one that I'm told is out front right now. Nebraska is going to bring their entire coaching staff, allegedly, uh, on Saturday for their final in-home visit with Toe Guy. So this seems to be kind of their number one out of these two targets. Again, they, they took Marquise Black. They took Nash Hutmacher, Jordan Riley, Feldarius Payne. Seems like they would be in the market for another defensive lineman if it's the right guy. And this is the one that they've kind of centered on. We haven't heard much about Nusi Milani. Uh, it seems like that ship has passed a little bit. Uh, some of the other guys signed in December. So to know a toe guy, the defensive lineman that people should know now. And then Chris Abrams Drain, wide receiver. He's from Alabama, great playmaker. Uh, was a, a quarterback in high school, took his team that was a you know a 500-level team to the state finals because of his play at quarterback because he's just a playmaker. Uh, and a guy that I didn't understand until I put the film on what Nebraska was that interested in. Not a big-bodied wide receiver, but just someone who's explosive with the ball. He visited the first weekend. Very little has come out of that. We know that he liked it. We know Nebraska's in the mix. Went to Missouri last weekend, finishes with Florida State. Sounds like it's going to be one of those three teams, but this one's kind of hard to handicap. I think it's ultimately going to be Florida State. They're in that kind of pole position with the last visit. Uh, but we'll see what happens there. So those are the names as it relates to 2020 high school guys that people should know. There's a couple grad transfer names. 
uh, out there that might be of interest too, but there's just not enough that's linking Nebraska to it. Xavier Kelly might be the one where there's the strongest link, and that's Nebraska has definitely reached out to him. That's a former Wichita defensive lineman that went to Clemson. Didn't get a lot of run there, and now he's built up to basically being a nose tackle. Hasn't played a ton of snaps, but Nebraska's reached out to him. So um, that's kind of where we're at with these remaining spots. But I continue to think that they're going to end up with neither of those spots filled next week, going into spring ball, getting through spring ball, and then grabbing a couple guys out of the transfer portal. But that's kind of a quick summation, but any thoughts? You, you mentioned or you wrote something last week about the change in where official visits count yes. or how or when the reset date is. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. How does it affect things? And I, I guess since there's not going to be that much action next week, w- what does that mean for Nebraska's efforts in 2021? Yeah, I mean, I think that this is a huge deal, and I was kind of surprised by how little publication and run there was about it. But – Essentially, the change is that instead of the schedule resetting for college football in August every year, and what that means is that all of the official visits would start over in August, now they'll start over in April. And so all of the official visits are contained in a single cycle before they would have split cycles. So Nebraska was holding back you know, 15, 16 official visits to use for the 2021 class. None of those will be needed now. They'll start with a full slate of 62 on April 1st that they can use however they want through March 30th of 2021. So it's a – or March 31st, I don't remember how many days are in the month. but um, 30, I think. Yeah. So it's a huge deal for a place like Nebraska because if you think about the first year that Scott Frost was here – they couldn't bring in anybody for official visits for spring and summer because of the way that they were used up by the previous staff and their own staff to finish off the 2018 class. So I, I think this is a big deal. Uh, I might be alone in that, but basically it sets up where if Nebraska wanted to bring in a dozen kids for the spring game, which they annually have one of the highest attendance rates for, and I suspect will again be well attended by fans that have, again, convince themselves that this is going to be the start of the good part of the Scott Frost era, that um, you could make a very nice visit weekend out of it. And we know they're going to do another barbecue event, maybe not a barbecue event, but another summer recruiting event. Um, They're going to have an opportunity to host 2025 recruits before the season even kicks off in September, and they haven't had that before. And that really changes how – recruiting works in terms of the calendar in terms of when commitments happen i mean we've seen the last two weekends massive visit weekends uh for nebraska compared to what we've seen out of them in january's in the past so it's a it's a very different calendar and i'm surprised by maybe nationally it just doesn't have that much run but at a place like nebraska where you have to bring in a lot of recruits for official visits because it's harder to get to or more expensive to get to It's a big deal, and it it helps them out substantially, in my opinion. Nebraska released its camp schedule for the summer as well, I guess, last couple weeks, but kind of the standard run-of-the-mill stuff, two Friday Night Lights camps. uh, A week in between for the first time. Yeah, the second second annual pipeline camp that Adidas has thrown its name behind. I thought it was decent enough last year. Like, it was – 
Who's a 2021 guy that was there that is uh, catching some big offers now? Kid out of uh, out of Kansas City area? Out of the uh, same place where the Davis Twins are from, the Blue Valley. Blue Springs. Blue Springs. Blue Springs. Yeah. yeah. Bo Stevens. Uh, he was the kid that was really excited to meet uh, Les Miles. Yeah. Mom, Les Miles. Yeah. <laughs> we were standing. <laughs> we were standing right there. Uh, so, I mean, you'll have the, the kind of – Satellite camp run through Georgia, Florida, and wherever. Uh, probably St. Louis again, per usual. But no big surprises there, I don't think. But it's there. Mm-hmm. So, do you uh, guys do you guys miss when satellite camps were like everything? Remember that year or two where it was just like, whoa, yeah, the Harbaugh thing, and <laughs> there's still some people that treat it like it's everything. Yeah. Um. The rest of us have kind of wised up to the lack of value that it might substantiate for your coverage, but the, um, what was that? The, the you went to the one out in L.A. that I think was probably the most fruitful of any satellite camp Nebraska had. I went to two out the what the one I went to at that junior college the first time. Yeah, when Patrick O'Brien not the Calabasas fire one and Jevia were both at that first one. Yeah, and then yeah the well the. The f- the one that they relocated because of the fire, there was actually quite a few quite a few dudes at that. Yeah, I'm not saying that there wasn't talent there. It just right. didn't turn out to be as right. fruitful. Or, right, right, right. But yeah, I mean, I also Jameer Calvin was at that camp, as was Tyjon Lindsay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was like a who's who of who Nebraska missed on during that. Time. I I <laughs> think we, that the the aspect of the whole staff going to these camps doesn't work as much but like the thing like st louis where i went to last year like there's actually a fair amount of value of just having a coach or two that's over there because one that's a huge area where nebraska wants to get into but you get a chance to see the 2022s the 2023s you know younger guys uh in addition to maybe getting to to bump into some of the guys you're actually trying to recruit in the current cycle so i would expect nebraska will be back in lindenwood and some of the normal spots that they've hit but it's harder for me to to casually point out where the satellite camps have helped Nebraska in terms of specific recruits. The only the only guy I can think of, DiCaprio Boodle is probably the one, right. the one that comes to mind. That who, but I'm thinking just stayed. recent, you know, just like recent cycles. Malik Reed's the only guy that, you know, he told me that he met Barrett Rude at a satellite camp at on USC's campus, mm-hmm. and that's when Rude was like offered him and nebraska was immediately in the mix there at that point the only guy from last year's cycle i can think of like that yeah so and i think a lot of that actually speaks to the evaluation nebraska does on the forefront of everything before they even get into these situations but yeah Take All a right. break. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll get into the actual specifics of the junior day that Nebraska had, who was there, how it went. Uh, and then we'll we'll get in some hoops talk, I'm told. Well, hoops. I'm told there'll be some hoops. And maybe we'll discuss where in the world is Sean Snyder. Maybe we'll get into that, too, a little okay. bit, too. So you got all that and more on the flip side with Husker 24-7.
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we are back. All right, so I promised Junior Day Talk. Junior Day Talk, you shall have. Nebraska had more than a dozen guys in the 2021 class that already held offers. I thought it was a very strong visit list of people, especially from the Big Ten footprint. You had a number of guys from Illinois, a number of guys from Michigan. You had guys from Iowa. Uh, you had some guys that came from other places. You had a kid from California, a cornerback out of the Folsom High School that Nebraska has tried to recruit before, came up here. Caleb Berry, a running back from Lufkin, Texas, came up here. Danny Stutzman, a linebacker from Florida, came up here. So you had a lot going on. Um, let's start with some specific names that I know people are going to want to ask about or hear about. We'll start with Ruquan Buckley. He was a guy that there was – some talk that he might commit sounds like it went great for him when you talk to guys like Wilfong and Alan True uh, the visit went very well he and his family really like Nebraska Nebraska is pushing hard here because I get the sense that they think this is a kid that could really blow up if he's able to get to April and hasn't committed and more schools can go and evaluate him in person so my feeling is Nebraska wants to get that one shut down quickly. We'll see if they can get that done in the month of February. They're not able to have anybody on campus, um, but we'll see what happens with Ruquan Buckley there. Jace Williams, another wide receiver from Grand Rapids. Uh, he had a great visit too. Michigan's a state where Nebraska's pushing into more, so that's kind of interesting. TJ Bowlers, maybe the biggest name that was there, top 247 linebacker. Nebraska's put themselves in a great spot. It's Nebraska-Wisconsin right now, and, and – everything that I'm hearing, but Wisconsin might have that slight edge with the production that their linebackers have had and the success that that team has had. So Nebraska's going to have to figure out what the magic combination is to try to pull TJ bowlers away. Or unfortunately they're going to spend a lot of years playing against a guy that I think they have very high on their board right now. So um, he was the top end of the, the visit weekend. He had a couple kids from Kansas city, which is notable to me. That's an area that we haven't seen this staff really kind of hit hard yet. Um, so, I don't know. What direction do you guys want to go with this junior day? You saw some of the names, read some of the coverage, wrote some of the coverage. BC, what are your thoughts? Um, what do you think guys took of about the, the Lubick hire that you've talked to? Um, what, that, I think a lot of people are interested in that, yeah. like how Lubick is meshing into this kind of recruiting thing on the fly. So I am um, – I was kind of – impressed by Jalen Noel had these comments that I thought were pretty intuitive for an 18 year old on a visit or a 17 year old on a visit that was watching the 
the sort of interpersonal relationship with Scott Frost and Matt Lubick and could tell very quickly that there's a strong relationship there, that they're comfortable around each other, that they're friendly with each other, that, uh, you know, they might have even just come out and basically said that there's a real comfort in how they operate and do things because of their time at Oregon. But he picked up on that, commented on that. He liked Matt Lubick a lot, um, thinks that the – the time that those two spent together at Oregon will probably enhance the vision of the offense that Scott Frost wants. Uh, so we'll we'll see how that plays out. But it sounds like whether it was a guy like Henry Lutovsky or Jalen Noel or Jace Williams, people that he would actually coach, uh, Matt Lubick impressed people over there with kind of his personality and, and just basically stating what he's about and what he expects as the offensive coordinator now at Nebraska. So I, it seemed like, you know, we talk about winning the press conference – Maybe Matt Lubick won the junior day. Uh, that that was kind of my takeaway from it with mm-hmm. some of the guys I talked to. Yeah, and the other thing that stands out, and I know this appeared on the stories we wrote on our board, we can just touch on it, is the Zach Duvall impact when when kids are on these visits <clears throat> and seeing how they get down to basically the the decimal point on every little detail of like, you know, your sleep patterns, your workout patterns and what you're going like the weight you are now and what you can be, what your growth chart looks like. It feels like even guy kids who grow up around this stuff and are obviously good in the weight room in high school and stuff. It's like something out here for them still where it's like, Oh, this is, this is different. This is another level of weight training and conditioning. Yeah, and I I really think that Duvall combined with with the facilities that Nebraska is pitching has kind of been their their go-to thing with the 2021s, the 2022s. I mean, the idea that there's going to be a a sparkling brand-new facility awaiting for you when you actually get to college is something that, that they really want known. And then you throw in the fact that when your team has struggled, it kind of makes sense that the pitch is that you've got a guy on your staff that's going to build these players into all Big Ten caliber bodies. And so I could see where that would be uh, a very enticing thing if you're a recruit and you're someone that knows that you got to put 25, 30 pounds on, but you want to trust how it's going to happen. You want to know that there's going to be a real plan for you, whether it's nutrition or the strength and conditioning it's not just going to be a bunch of mass added and you lose your athleticism. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that there's a lot to explain why Zach Duvall is, is such an important figure for Nebraska when they do these events. For the, for the first time, maybe not the first time, but I, I thought I talked to Tyler McLaurin, the, the linebacker. It's really a interesting kid and someone I think Nebraska likes a lot more than where his rating is at. Yeah. I, he was kind of talking about the, the uh, presentation that Duvall made and it, it kind of was like a well-duh kind of thing that he said when I was thinking about it, but Duvall's point was, you know, you're a linebacker. You're, you know, the the, the kind of thought is, is, okay, this is how we're going to train linebackers, you know, how you're going to lift, how you're going to do whatever. But he was saying that Nebraska went out of its way to say, look, you're a different player than this guy who's also a linebacker. We need to tailor everything that you're going to do individually for you. And – it doesn't really seem like that should be a novel concept, but I mean, it really stood out to him that, you know, that that was the discussion that they were having. And, you know, this is a kid that's been around, he's been on visits, uh, you know, he's a 
he's a pretty bright kid when it comes to, you know, how schools are kind of pitching themselves to him. And, you know, the, his thing was, okay, this new facility is going to exist and everything that they're doing in that facility is, to, is around that idea of we're going to make you individually the best player that you can be because you, you don't want to just be another linebacker and you're not just another linebacker. I mean, you think about even defensive linemen. I mean, a, a nose tackle is different from an end and, and you know, all, all that stuff just seems like it should be kind of common sense, but I don't think a lot of schools really do a good job of explaining that. And I think... I think Dave Ellis, I think Zach Duvall, both of them kind of get that point across in a really powerful way. And, mm-hmm. and based on who we've talked to from this visit weekend, from official visits, you know, going back the last couple of years, I, th- I think Zach Duvall is a very engaging guy. And obviously what he's saying to these kids is really standing out. Yeah, and, and if I were a recruit, we always talk about, like, recruits liking their position coach and obviously the head coach and stuff but Mm -hmm. when you think about it they spend more time with anybody on the staff with the strength coach and those guys that work with Zach Duvall and Dave Ellis and if I were a recruit which I was never close to being it's unbelievable but I wasn't if I were a recruit I would want to know everything about those guys as much as my position coach or head coach and like how they operate and what type of mentality they have. I'd want to ask other players about what's this guy like to work out for for you know six months of the year but when the season's not happening. Um, that, to me, is a big deal. And obviously Zach – or Scott Frost trusts Zach Duvall to the, you know, clouds. He, he believes in him fully. Um, but it sounds like – it sounds like Zach Duvall gives a pretty darn good presentation because you always hear his name pop up with recruits even if you don't ask about it. All right, let's uh, let's go to the big finish here with Nebraska basketball. Huskers on a losing streak at the moment. Kind of gave away what was a, a winnable opportunity against Michigan on Tuesday night. Gave another game away against Rutgers with a lead late. Brunts, where do you see this team at right now? Big sigh before he answers. We, we were sitting there in post game <laughs> the other night. You know, Cam Max talking and Eve Cheatham's talking. I mean, it's almost kind of felt like it's gotten to that point in the season where guys are like, look, like we just need to play better basketball. Like, you know, what? what's the answer when you you, you take a 52-50 to 50 lead and then you, you go one for your next 12 from the field? I mean, it's – to me, the, the issue with this team is between the ears because you, you see these stretches where – the ball's moving, everything looks great, they're getting up and down the floor, open shots, you know, whatever. And then there's these stretches of play where the ball doesn't move, guys are standing around. I mean, it's you would think in a film session you would be able to see that as a player pretty easily that look, this is the difference from when we're playing well to when we're not playing well and you're 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 still having these these issues, I guess. And and, and maybe that's part of the, the challenge of basically recreating your roster from scratch. I mean, you, you're going to have those kinds of times. And I, I think Nebraska's playing better basketball individually. Guys are improving. I think Kevin Cross's play the last few weeks has been more than notable. Um, but, you know, it, it's going to get tough here. I mean, this they got Illinois on the schedule. You got Wisconsin coming up. I mean, you, you're probably only going to be – close to to not a, a big underdog against Northwestern the rest of the way so I still think this team can 
can win a game or two. They're not going to, but it's, uh, you know, it, it feels like they're close, but then you have those stretches the other night where it's just like, man, they, they still have a ways to go. I thought when Kevin Cross picked up his fourth foul, there's like 11 and a half minutes left. That was a huge part. Yes. Yeah. He'd been occasionally Kevin Cross will get a little too big for his britches where he's like feeling too good almost. And mm-hmm. he tried and he had a few possessions he gave away, but remember the opener where he couldn't buy a bucket. Time. Yeah. And Hoiberg's like, keep shooting. Mm-hmm. And you're now seeing why, I mean, Fred Hoiberg has watched this guy shoot all summer and you know, he, he's, he likes his jumper. He, he's a guy that keep building on it and you're going to be a part in some way of this. And that's what I look for with this team. Every time I watch them, I'm just looking for like, okay, who are the pieces that fit next year? Like, how does that translate? And when you see like Kevin Cross have a few good weeks, you start to think about like how he fits into the puzzle next season and, and stuff like that. Um, It's too bad. Charlie didn't hit that one shot uh, against Rutgers and and they probably win that game. Um, but, I mean, he's a guy who's going to be a helper, too, on this team. And so that Fred Hoiberg's finding some stuff out. I guess the key to me is if, if he can keep these guys with the understanding and engaged that, hey, we are building something for down the road. And I, it seems like they kind of get that. I mean, you have to to still be playing hard when you're like 7 and 15 or whatever they are. But The, the, the challenge, I think, is so you've got – You've got guys that you know you're going to build around for next year. You've got – Kevin Cross has to play well. I mean, you have to have a, a big in that offense that can pull the, the opposing big away from the basket. Like, that's how that offense works. So, I mean, I'm sure you can keep a guy like Kevin Cross engaged because he's going to be there next year. Uh, you know, same with Cam Mack. And, you know, the, the thing I wonder about is, okay, you, you've got – you know, Matej Kavas hasn't played in three games. He's not going to be there next year. Uh, you know, Hanif Cheatham is still playing relatively well. Um, but, you know, he's a one and done for Nebraska. So, you know, how, how do you down the stretch kind of find the right mix with, with these guys? And also, I mean, frankly, I mean, it feels like there's a little bit of not a tryout, but I mean, Gervais Green. I mean, what what's his role, mm-hmm. if anything, on that team next he's year? He's got a month to kind of put something on film as to why – he should be back and right what he can do with this team that doesn't have to be ball dominant because i think that's his biggest problem is that you have cam mack that can set everybody else up and you have gervais who sort of wants to have the ball to create things and you have a little bit of an issue there i the biggest thing with nebraska is that they just don't have a guy right now that you need a basket that you can go count on to get you a basket cam mack can create cam mack can drive Cam Max finishing isn't quite there yet. Same with Deshaun Burke, who's just a little small probably for the Big Ten overall. Those guys can do – I mean, you saw what they did against Wisconsin. They look like they could win that game. Um, and their their guards are athletic, but they don't have a big that you can just dump it into and go get you a basket the way that Michigan was like, okay, we're going to play this game. Here's John Teske. You can't stop him. You double him, we're going to go to another guy who's trailing right into the paint. You can't stop him either. I mean, it's, at one point, it's like Juwan Howard realized, oh, we have a size advantage here. We should use that. And I understand Nebraska tries to pack the paint, but when you've got guys in foul trouble and, frankly, the the two bigs they have, Cross and Wade Ogo, can't sustain the speed that the rest of the offense wants to play at. I mean, that was an issue against Rutgers. 
they got too fast for their bigs, and you had Wade Hugo sucking wind and being asked to cover Johnson. Yeah, it's and the disappointing part of that game the other night was, I mean, it felt like Michigan was that that was a very winnable game. I mean, you don't have Xavier Simpson, you don't have Levers in the game. I mean, you were playing. Michigan had a former student manager that I think got seven minutes of playing time in, in the first half. Um, that felt like a game where you, you, you probably could have stolen one there. But, yeah, um, yeah the, 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 I think the length really bothered Nebraska. And it wasn't just Teske. I mean, Wagner created some issues on the on, – and, and that's the, the tough part too is, is you, you Nebraska has those issues with length. They don't have the size, but you've got – a guy that's going to be a six foot eight point guard that matches up pretty damn well with Wagner sitting over on the bench and Delano Banton next year. Uh, you know, Derek Walker is going to be coming in too. Yeah. So it's, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's hard to go through a basketball season with 10 games left in the conference play. And the conversation is already, well, they're going to be pretty, they're, they're going to be much improved next year. Cause it's, you still got to get through those 10 games. Now we're watching a long tryout, right? <laughs> that's what we're watching. Right. I mean, that's, that's, that's what it is. Uh, it's tough. You know, Michigan was down some guys, but it is tough. One of the tough things Nebraska faces is there's such a clutter of teams in the Big Ten that are trying to make sure they're in the tournament. And so Michigan came into that game the other night, and they're on a losing skid. And that, even though they're down a couple guys, that game means everything to them. You know, they're they're on the bubble. And so you are going to get that every night from clubs that are it's a great conference that are right on the yeah. edge and they it's, don't want to fall off the cliff and they know they can't lose to nebraska um i think nebraska is a scary team for a lot of teams yeah. to play in the month of february and march and when they get into the big 10 tournament uh if they were to win that first game against the bottom four you probably don't want to draw nebraska in the second round because on a good shooting night they can shoot you out of the game they i mean they can also take themselves out of the game just as easily but they're not a team that uh, anyone would want to take too lightly. Any final thoughts here, gentlemen? Do we have, we a... have baseball is is coming up, right? They started practice. Started practice Valentine's weekend. You and your special lady can cuddle up next to a radio and listen to Nebraska take on the Baylor Bears. I wonder if we'll each get headphones like you're currently wearing. You could. Do they make a size that's big enough that one could cover one of my ears and one of her ears? This is this is a small. You can fit a whole family in the large. <laughs> Mountain West football is going to sound so good in those oh, bad man. boys. Yeah, oh, two man. o'clock. I'm just going to be silently <laughs> watching Fresno State and Hawaii battle it out. No, Nick Rolovich though. No. Who no. do they hire? They got uh, uh, Todd Graham. Todd Graham, yeah, right. which is significantly less exciting. Yeah. Well, enjoy that. Brian, final thoughts. Um, well, we did tease Sean Snyder. I guess all we oh, can, yeah, I, all we can say is I think all of us here are still under the belief he's going to be a part of this Husker staff. He's following a lot of Nebraska people on Twitter and uh, changed his profile a little bit where he said former K-State. He seems to be going somewhere. Yeah, he seems to have some plans unless it's a social media head fake of all head fakes. We we were familiar with the idea that it was a Nebraska-Texas thing, and Texas has filled that spot. Yeah, so so there's a lot of – a lot of clues beyond just taking our word for it or anybody's word for it that that seems like a likelihood. Um, they also have, what, an offensive analyst position still Potentially, there? yeah. 
possibly. So, I mean, it could they be. They have a, some defensive ones, too, with Jack Cooper leaving and some other things. It could be they want to make a package announcement on that. Um, I, I have learned long ago, I, I'm not going to put a date on an announcement. We'll just see when it happens, but I do feel good about um, right. that being a probability. You heard BC, February 30th, expect everything announced. February 30th is the day, you're right. <laughs> that's that's the day everything's getting announced. <laughs> All right, uh, that's it from us here at Husker 24-7. Be sure to check out everything on the website. Signing day is next week. We'll see what content <laughs> we have for you with uh, all of Nebraska's expected additions. <laughs>